Welcome to Reincarnated as Podcasters, the show where we explore the countless and varying worlds of isekai, the anime genre. This is episode 16. It's no understatement to say that isekai is an extremely prevalent genre in the anime landscape. On this show, we hope to find out why that is and what a genre primarily concerned with other worlds has to say about this one. Today, we will be discussing episodes 6 to 8 of ReZero, Starting Life in Another World. But before we embark on this intrepid journey, let me introduce you to the hosts of this program. I'm Vicky, and joining me as always is Lawrence. Hey! And just like in our last episode, we have Sam guesting. Hello! Hey, how is everybody doing? What's everyone been up to? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing... I'm doing okay. Um, at, well, as, as I was saying in the green room, it's been a stress, stressful <laughs> couple of weeks. Uh, for for me, um, rebounding from uh, the holidays and such, uh, but uh, I am looking forward to discussing uh, the following couple of episodes, uh, mm-hmm. despite their um, despite their difficulty, despite their uh, painfulness. <laughs> um, it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough uh, chewing on these episodes. Uh, uh, in, in a state of uh, post-holiday malaise, but uh, uh, hopefully <laughs> yeah. also cathartic. Good. Good to have some catharsis. I'm also doing good, yeah. It's slightly different. I'm feeling boosted from the nice holiday break. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. It was a very long break and very nice. <laughs> yeah. Sam and I had a good few weeks off to recharge. Uh and during that time, I got around to watching a couple of shows that I'd been wanting to watch for a while, but uh, just hadn't got around to it. And Hell yeah. The, f- the first of which being 4400, which is a reboot of the uh, Sky One series from when I was a teenager living at home. Uh, the 4400. <laughs> uh, they, they rebooted is, it? They have rebooted it, yeah. Um, the original premise of the show being... 4,400 people throughout the last 100 years or so vanished and have suddenly all reappeared in a ball of light and they've all got superpowers now. Uh, And it's a show that's always stuck with me for some reason. Uh, I've always tried to find ways of giving it a rewatch every now and then if I can. Yeah. Uh, And this this reboot is quite an interesting take on it. It is, um, it's been made with a predominantly African-American cast. uh, And I guess it's sort of trying to draw parallels uh, with the, the idea of these people are like strangers in their homes in a lot of ways. Some of them uh, have been plucked from very recently and have returned to uh, their loved ones having moved on and things like that. Uh, some of them are from much longer ago. And yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, I am enjoying it. It's very different to the original in that the original was a very sprawling narrative where it was, it was quite episodic in a lot of ways. Every episode tended to focus on a new member of the 4400 uh, re and discovering their new ability, uh, whereas this remake is really focused on sort of seven or eight main characters. It doesn't really branch out much further than that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's entertaining. It's pretty cool. The effects are way better than the original, obviously. 
<laughs> I remember you mentioning the 4400s like uh, mm -hmm. years and years ago like as as a series that you liked and I was always like oh I I should I should watch that I should check it out but uh, um I n never got around to it I also feel like there's been a lot of shows since that's like sort of work on the same premise a little bit like uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh around that time like the the revenants or not the revenant or was it some sort of french series i, the, I the returned the returns right yeah. yeah 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 really similar really similar idea although it takes it in a totally different direction oh i was so surprised that they they rebooted this mm-hmm yeah me too uh def definitely worth checking out it's a little cheesy in places but um i like that they focused on really diversifying the main cast there's uh, people from lots of different backgrounds discovering new ways to interact with the world after mm. returning uh it's cool the, the other show that i would really recommend to you lawrence is 2019's the twilight zone presented by jordan peele yeah, uh, yeah. it's really really great i think it well it's it's a little hit or miss in places i think like some episodes are really like not memorable at all but the ones that are good are really good uh and it's got an amazing cast. It's, every episode's got someone you recognize. Uh, I think the, the fables, the stories that it's telling are really interesting and unique. It's, I feel like Black Mirror really muddied the water for this kind of like sci-fi storytelling or short stories. But yeah. um, Twilight Zone puts new twists on the kind of stuff Black Mirror does, which is like, uh, you know, technology bad. What if this bad technology? <laughs> Um, I think in Twilight Zone, yeah. its episodes about technology are way more nuanced. Uh, oh, and it, wow, they've done a good job. Yeah, like it. Oh, that's that's surprising. Uh, well, another another delightful surprise. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch the Twilight Zone, but I think like uh, Black Mirror sort of uh, uh, put me off that yeah. <laughs> a, a little bit. I mean, for for good or for ill, like uh, Black Mirror has definitely like moved to goalpost goal in terms of like uh, uh, strange stories from the near future <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd I'd be curious to see what what uh, yeah. the Twilight Zone's uh, approach will be. And the first episode is fire. It's uh, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, who plays a comedian who's struggling, and in a bar one night he meets an older comedian played by Tracy Morgan who imbues him with a, an unusual <laughs> power uh, and it's very cool and creepy. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I, sold <laughs> just on yeah. that premise. <laughs> <laughs> Does uh, Kumail become the Joker? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he tells jokes. <laughs> uh, sounds like a Joker to me. Yeah, also Tracy Morgan vapes in, in this episode. <laughs> a giant vape. Yes. What? I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to have to watch that for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyone else got any any other stuff they've been watching? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about um, what I've been um, uh, um, entertaining myself with over the, uh, the holiday periods and uh, this uh, um, uh, couple of weeks of... Uh, of uh, high stress, you find try to find some ways to uh, relieve that. Like I've got a, a a pretty good repertoire of um, 
self-care uh, methods and mm-hmm. techniques that I've uh, perfected uh, over the years, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, which includes turning off all my devices and like uh, bringing out my my tiny little Gundam men and uh, and uh, fiddling around with uh, tiny tools to uh, mm-hmm. make uh, my tiny little movable sculptures. That's uh, that's always a good time. Did you get some um, new sets over Christmas? <laughs> yes, I, I treated myself to a couple <laughs> new sets. Um, Did you make them fight each other? <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> no, that's uh, <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet. They're um, they're they're uh, they're yet. show accurate models. Okay, <laughs> they're not meant for playing get? with. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, t- much to my shame, I've had a couple of unopened boxes lying around for a year. <laughs> so I've got any modeling healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I got like I got a new one uh, in in the mail over to Christmas. Um, this is uh, the full armor Gundam um, from uh, Gundam Thunderbolts. Um, which is uh, just a, a beautiful little model. Um, it's got like uh, it's kind of insane. It's got like this uh, r- ridiculous like uh, mechanical accuracy uh, going on. Um, lots of lots of tiny thrusters and uh, an elaborate backpack that features like uh, uh, mechanical arms that hold like four shields at, at a time. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a, a Gundam fans, uh, Gundam, uh, in a sense. Um, a Gundam fans, Gundam. <laughs> just, not, not for the casual Gundam fans. Right. Um, I, I also, as, as sort of a holiday tradition, I watched, um, uh, a Gundam film, uh, Char's Counterattack from, uh, 1988. Um, even though it's, not about Christmas or around Christmas. I associate it with Christmas <laughs> for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those, um, and it's like a, it's a sprawling coda to a to end one chapter of the the Gundam saga uh, back in in nineteen eighty eight, and uh, as such, it like uh, pulls out all of the stops. It, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's like. Um, just hand-drawn um, 1988's um, animation with a big film budget, and it's mm-hmm. um, it slaps. What's um, the series that it concludes? Is it worth watching um, the whole like story arc? Uh, yes. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm afraid, like, uh, unless you've like watched like all of the the series that like uh, came before it, it's just extremely difficult to follow. Even if you have seen them all, it takes like uh, some um, mm. ancillary text to to fully grasp. Uh, but basically, like, um, Char's counterattack sort of concludes in a sense. Um, the story of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam from 1979, uh, Zeta Gundam, and Double Zeta Gundam that came after it. Um, it's a, a lot of Gundam. <laughs> uh, uh, I also watched um, 
uh, and this one is a lot more Christmassy. I watched uh, 0080, uh, War in the Pockets, which is like a, a Gundam side story um, that is uh, really, really beautiful and uh, riveting uh, about the uh the smaller scale like a uh, human effects of like uh, a galactic war fought by giant mm-hmm. robots <laughs> you know <laughs> what does yeah. it look like when that lands in your in your backyard and uh, and uh, takes over your your entire life um it's a, a little bit like a grave of the fireflies meets uh, mecca oh. <laughs> in a sense wow. um uh it, it doesn't uh quite reach those kind of like uh, uh emotional depths as grave of the fireflies but like it's a mm-hmm. it's an accurate comparison in in, in some sense it's a, a young boy befriends an enemy pilots and they strike up an unlikely friendship and um you know sort of try to devise a way to escape from the horrors of war together as uh you yeah. know six episodes um uh, just a a classic of the series absolutely love it love a good short anime series like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's a real winner um it's um it's some great emotional beats and it's got like some uh um like some action sequences that uh are still kind of uh, uh unparalleled in in, in Gundam so they did some really amazing things back then might have to check that one out. Mm. Me and Vicky are um, between animes, kind of, at the moment. <laughs> oh. Caught up with their, um, uh, My Hero Academia over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We'd left it for a while because watching something that's actually airing like weekly is a horrible experience. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> I need it more regularly than once a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, every, every same. Day. I can't do it like that. Yeah, maybe a couple a day. Oh yeah, caught up on My Hero Academia and now moved on to um, Bleach. Oh, oh boy! Yeah, yeah. watching yeah. Bleach. Yeah, <laughs> fully expecting oh. it to um, turn out horribly as it slowly works its way towards getting cancelled. Yeah, it's quite a fun <laughs> start so far. Yeah, I mean we're in, obviously in the Soul Society arc, which is supposed to be the best one, right? So yeah, uh, it's you know. It's nice to watch knowing it's going to be good, probably, but then later get really bad. We're in the good bit now. Yeah. Damn, Bleach is kind of great. Uh, yeah. I'm n- not going to lie. I, I, I never watched past the, the Soul Society arc, but like mm-hmm. uh, um, that is, um, I don't know, about 60 um, awesome episodes of anime. And for some reason, it's uh, stuck with me um, after after all this time. It's uh... <laughs> Good shit. I'm looking yeah, forward to hearing what y'all think fire. about it. If nobody has anything else, we can move on and just give a, a brief definition of isekai for the uninformed. <laughs> this is a, a definition that Lawrence found um, by Ursula Le Guin on not reading science fiction, which reads... All fiction offers us a world we can't otherwise reach, whether because it's in the past or in far or imaginary places, or describes experiences we haven't had, or leads us into minds different from our own. To some people, this change of worlds, this unfamiliarity is an insurmountable barrier, to others an adventure and a pleasure. 
and uh, I think these next three episodes that we're going to talk about definitely lean more into the insurmountable barrier <laughs> definitely less of an adventure and a pleasure for the characters or for uh, Subaru yeah no like uh, the, the barriers bound like uh, the, the, uh, there is a, a lot to overcome um, mm-hmm. in, in these uh, in these couple of episodes uh, both from uh, the external isekai world and from uh, deep within uh, uh, Subaru's um, his own entitled self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The boy is in turmoil. Uh, that reminds me, I, I, I finished uh, reading um, The Word for World is a Forest the other day. It's another. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, another, another Ursula Le Guin that is uh, absolutely worth reading. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I, hell yeah. Uh, uh, oh, what a writer. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, what, what a definition. Yeah, she slaps. <laughs> well, before we uh, get into the meat and uh, start our episode summary, uh, we're going to talk about some media text that could or could not be considered an isekai. Uh, and I believe Lawrence, you've got one for us. I I do indeed. I I present to you uh, the question: Is uh, 2016's uh, Warcraft a, an isekai? Uh, well, like the Warcraft movie. <laughs> the Warcraft movie 2016. I have to What's say, the... I haven't, I haven't yeah. seen that. Y- y'all haven't but seen I, Warcraft, I, I, okay? No, I would I would no. love to hear hear your your proposition. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, so I, I, I did, I watched this uh, back in 2016 when it was uh, released, um, which it was kind of a, a, a flop in the West, but like uh, it absolutely um, it killed at the box offices in, in the East uh, and uh, Chinese markets and like, the Korean market like uh, really ate it up. At the time, I was just curious to watch some some goofy ass uh, fantasy. I had like a, a brief dalliance with uh, World of Warcraft uh, years and years and years ago, and I was like, uh, I wonder uh, whether this series that has been around for as long as it have has 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 some interesting lore to impart in the form of a movie. Uh, the the answer is no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, the answer is yes, but it just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that that might be fair. I I don't know as much about Warcraft as as you probably do. Uh, the, the film um, is not great. It's a uh, uh, very boring. In fact, uh, I was surprised <laughs> to to find that it was uh, directed by uh, Duncan Jones, um, who uh, directed a a film I I really liked uh, when it was released, uh, Moon. Uh, y'all remember? Oh, Ooh. right, yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have never Luka? put those two together, yeah. <laughs> right? What, what year did Moon come out? That was, bef- that was definitely before Warcraft, right? Is this an yeah, example? That was, uh... Yeah, and is this like an- another example of like good indie filmmakers being brought on and made profitable to- by making like shit blockbuster films? Yeah, perhaps. Um, so Moon was released in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I watched it in 2010 as well. Uh, I, I, think I think we I might watched have watched it, it together you, once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't remember much about it, but I remember enjoying it a great deal. I thought it was pretty, pretty gripping. Um, yeah. but, but the more I look into Warcraft, uh, I, I find that uh, Duncan Jones also had a hand in writing the film. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, perhaps uh, he's just a, a secret uh, Warcraft geek uh, who who locked onto like a a, a cool project here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but as for its qualities as an isekai, um, so basically, uh, I'll give you a, 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 the, the synopsis as I remember it. So um, you've got the orcs and the humans. Uh, and they both inhabit different worlds. The orcs, they, they have a planet all to themselves, and um, they kind of uh, run it into the ground. They kind of uh, destroy it, I believe. There's sort of like an, an environmental message in there. Because I think they're they're led by uh, a an evil warlock who is like draining the planet of its mana and like using it for nefarious ends or something. Uh <laughs> So, um, and this is this kind of awesome. Uh, he decides to open a portal to another world and uh, carry the entire like uh, orc race through the portal uh, to the human world. And they're like, uh, um, "Fuck that old planet! We've got a new one now. Let's uh, let's ruin it too, <laughs> or something." <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, of course, the humans in alliance with the, the elves and the dwarves are like, uh, we're not having it. And then uh, uh, war uh, erupts. Uh, a whole whole world of war uh, crafts. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you'd think that's a, a pretty a pretty cool premise to like uh, start start your film with, but. Uh, it, it didn't, didn't quite hold up. Uh, the film was very much bogged down by like uh, what felt like some a um, uh, lot of wink nod illusions, illusions, and um, felt like a uh, very very lost and I never felt like um, immersed in in the film, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it an isekai? So wow. who's the perspective from? Like, because what you've described so far sounds more like a setting than any sakai like you're right yeah yeah that's true um so it's uh the the main character uh damn um he's a member of one of the orc tribes damn i should have looked this up beforehand <laughs> but basically he's he's like a a member of the the, the orcs and he's like a, a a part of this uh this plan to like hop from one world to the other but he's the only one that is like hmm this doesn't seem right should we really be draining the planet of its mana or something um is it durotan quite possibly yes that's a that's a, a yeah that's sounds familiar um and uh there's another like uh, a human uh a pov character uh but but i but i forgot um uh, so <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> uh i have a uh, side sidebar question for sam how mm-hmm. much of this sounds canon to you oh it's all canon i think is I it think the, so the orcs yeah. live on a planet like special orc planet that yeah, they destroy. Warcraft is it's not like medieval fantasy. It's like weird space 
high fantasy kind of uh, um, big eldritch horror and a, a war of light and shadow that happens across the whole galaxy. Like, <laughs> it's mad, yeah. Mm, hell yeah. Okay, hell cool. Yeah. So it's canon. <laughs> it's canon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's as much of the premise that I um, remember. It does share a story beat with classic isekai devil as part-timer the um, opening up a portal and going into another world uh, even if the, the the reason and the number of people going through the portal is different in devil mm. as a part-timer mouse sadao uh opens up a portal into modern day japan and that's an isekai yeah that that that's true um i i think um yeah i, I think what we ought to pin down is um the, the the motivations um and the the arc of the the main character and mm. that that should solidify whether it's an isekai or not because i mm. I, I did only just describe a a premise and and a setting rather than like a, a, maybe i should have rewatched it <laughs> <laughs> don't do that to yourself yeah. i want to watch it <laughs> i would totally watch it but i'm expecting it to be terrible yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it seems to be, it's about, I think, as I am growing to understand this isekai definition, you need the you need to be in a different world to your own, even if those mm-hmm. that world exists in the same kind of reality, like, that your first world exists in. But you need to go on a journey and, like, grow and change, like, and do you have to be stuck there? Does that, you have to not be able to freely go and come back as you choose? Not necessarily, mm. but we see that as a recurring element, yeah. Yeah, or at least the protagonist spends a lot of their time, well, maybe maybe not always, but the protagonist often uh, is trying to find a way to go back. Mm. Although, say, saying that, in ReZero, and actually in the last three that we watched, uh, the protagonist isn't trying to find a way back. In fact, returning is never even really mentioned. Yeah, um, maybe in uh, Hataraku Maosama a, a bit, but uh, definitely not. Uh, the focus uh, 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 moves on fairly quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, yeah, try to think in my mind of like, because you could be very generous and say that it is an isekai, but. I think, yeah, I feel like lots of things are... If you say Warcraft is, you open the floodgates to almost anything as an isekai, like... Exactly. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, but you know what? Maybe, maybe, we're, maybe we're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, e- exactly, exactly. I'm, I am overthinking this way too much for, like, a film <laughs> that I saw five years ago. Uh, I'm going to say it is an isekai. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, because um, the main character, uh, let's see, um, uh, he travels to another world uh, via a portal, uh, and there's no way back. And through this transfer, through this travel to another world, he um, grows a, a new uh, appreciation for this um, his previous world. Like uh, the, uh, it grows an appreciation for. Uh, his environments and um, the the people that he surrounds himself with. I remember there is like a, a bit of a, a clash between him, his tribe, and the rest of Orkdom. Um, uh, so, um, 
are there cat girls? Is there a <laughs> They're cat girls um, in Warcraft, right? <laughs> or at least in World of Are there cat girls in Warcraft? I don't think there's... Like big cats? I don't think there's cat people. There's, like, werewolves. Um, and there's fox people. Um, oh, that, oh, that well, counts, there right? You go. Yeah. yeah, there's panda K- Kitsune. people. Kitsune. Yeah. Yeah, I think this counts. Yeah. <laughs> and the pandas are Asian. <laughs> <laughs> How could you tell? What a, what a world! What a world! Um, you can tell yeah, by their um, hats. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quit overthinking. I'm going to say uh, World of Warcraft is probably an isekai. That's that's me. Um, although I haven't seen the film, I'm going to say yes too. I... Transfer to another world. <laughs> Proofs in the pudding. Ooh, I don't know. I would say I'll say no. It's not the. Uh, then maybe it's fuzzy because that specific movie, maybe. But as I know a bit more about the like, the law, it doesn't feel very isekai in the knowing a bit more around it. But yeah, maybe the specific movie is. Okay. Okay. There's two two yeses and a no. It brings a bit of a balance to the force, you know. It does. I think that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. <Yeah. laughs> because this is a shaky ground we're on. <laughs> no one can say we're uh, not impartial. <laughs> true that. True that. Okay. So that's uh, two yeses and a no. That's put to bed uh, to a degree. And uh, I think now that means it's time to move on to the episode summary. Let's get it. Let's get into real shit. So, uh, just a quick recap. At the end of uh, the last episode, we discussed Subaru uh, tried to stay awake, got very sick or ill in the middle of the night, and then went to walk around and had his arm chopped off by something he couldn't quite see. Uh, Some kind of creature, monster, attacker, I don't know. Assaulted in the nights with uh, the only clue as to his assailant being the Sound of Chains. Which is the title of episode six, The Sound of Chains. Is that really <clears throat> the last one we thought? Wow. It's the last one we talked about, yeah. Yeah. Feels like many loops ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sibaru wakes up in bed in the Roswell mansion, screaming and clutching at the arm that had been ripped off in his previous time loop. He sees Rem and Ram in the room, holding one another, seemingly afraid of him. He apologises for the inconvenience and asks for the date and time. (laughs) (laughs) Subaru, uh, now in Beatrice's library, ruminates on his predicament. If he died of weakness in his sleep the first time around, he was surely murdered on the second. Does that mean his friends here are in danger too? Since he didn't see his attacker's face, he has no real information to work with. Beatrice berates him for being annoying and tells him to buzz off before telling him she can pretty much smell his fear and expelling him with magic. <laughs> she like, calls him out of the window. <laughs> uh, Beatrice's uh, iciness just uh, stays uh, entertaining. It's uh, there, there is a kind of a, um, a, a dissonance between um, Subaru's uh, relationship between uh, himself and, his, and these characters because uh, his familiarity grows. Um, mm. But uh, for these people, they're, they're getting to know him again for the first time. So, mm. like, yeah. just ha- suddenly having this, this dude like pacing up and down your library, it's got to be like uh, annoying as shit. Yeah. I think it definitely does feel like Beatrice knows something still, 
at this stage. I, I think, I, I don't know if it's just me, but like, I definitely mm-hmm. got a sense earlier as well. And at this stage, like, she's not quite as surprised by him as she might be if she'd never met him before. Mm, she has a kind of like <laughs> an ease with him almost. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's that grows. Just her character trait, but yeah. I feel like her ease grows. And like, every time she meets him again for the first time, she's like more and more comfortable around him and uh, mm-hmm. like she's always a bit mean to him but i feel like she gets a little less mean yeah uh, I, I definitely I think felt it's... way more endeared to her uh over the course of these three episodes i think that um distance you mentioned there is a real important one of the show as a whole and develops a bunch over these like few episodes of mm. just yeah these characters have hardly spent any time with Savaru. like it's, yeah mm-hmm. it, it feels it's a really odd viewing experience i think yeah especially with some of the like the intensity of some of the moments just doesn't seem to ring true yes yes uh absolutely and i i imagine we'll we'll get into that in the relevant Mm. uh sections but like uh, in these three episodes uh they definitely try to like cash in some emotional chips and um uh, some of them are are earned, but some of them do not feel as earned. And, yes, uh, agreed. Yeah, how, how much is that a, a failure of storytelling, and how much is that like, you know, a part of the um, the atmosphere that they want to create? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, Subaru falls through a window and lands in some hedgerows, pretty much at Amelia's feet. She wakes up Puck from his resting place in her necklace and asks him to hose the manure off of a shevel, uh, disheveled Subaru. <laughs> Gross, covered in poop. <laughs> yeah, we've both got some weird ideas about being covered head to toe in manure. Like, uh, Subaru is like, oh, three second roll, this doesn't count. And then Amelia's like, oh, actually, uh, I, I hear this is a lucky, this is a, a, an auspicious uh, thing, like, like he just got shat on by a bird, but uh, it's a bit different than that. Neither of them say it's truly gross. <laughs> In the mansion grounds, Subaru plays with Puck, causing Amelia to laugh hysterically and tell them how funny they are. Uh, I found this a little odd. She was laughing so much. Her laugh was a little annoying. Maybe that's why. <laughs> She loses it, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah, she, she's fucking howling with laughter, and they're not even really doing anything that funny. <laughs> I I agree. Well, I I thought their I thought their buffoonery was very entertaining, yeah. uh, but but Emilia's laughter rings just a little bit hollow, yeah. and uh, I don't know if it was like the voice actress's delivery, Maybe, or yeah. just. Uh, <laughs> Is it also, like, at this point, it's also the, like, it's the morning after they all just survived this, like, knife fight, magic battle, yeah. Yeah, 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 it makes their their familiarity just uh, even stranger, doesn't it? It does, They hardly even talk about it as well. She asks Subaru why he keeps calling her Emilia-tan, and he explains that it's a kind of affectionate advance on their relationship. She doesn't remember getting so close to him, but says she'll accept that explanation. Yeah, this is uh, uh, another uh, telling moment, I I think, um, where uh, Puck also reveals a little bit about uh, Emilia's character, like letting uh, Subaru know that um, she uh, doesn't have many friends, 
Mm. Um, so, uh, like, she's very receptive to, like, this kind of uh, uh, affection. Mm. Uh, uh, like, Puck describes her as... Yeah, yeah. Puck describes her as easy, <laughs> which kind of uh, puts Subaru off a little bit. Um, but that does go some way to explaining, like, um, you know, why why Amelia is uh, so suddenly receptive of like this uh, this this stranger fawning over her. Yeah, like, uh, especially given like how she acted when they first met. She was a little standoffish and quite direct. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say she was like warm or friendly necessary, uh, necessarily. No. But now she seems to be like totally warm and friendly. Well, she was also on task uh, at that time. She was. Uh, yeah, she was she after was her. Uh, yeah. Rem and Ram show up at this moment to talk about how gross Subaru is and announce that the lordly <laughs> clown Roswell has returned. This brings Subaru back to reality as he considers the matter at hand. What can he do now to change the future without drawing suspicion on himself? He decides to spend the next few days gathering information, and so this time, instead of asking for a job, Subaru asks Rosewell to make him into a freeloading house guest. I'm glad we got to see him take this choice of like, mm. yeah, with the like time loop type of aspect. It's like it's nice to see moments where they use it and they don't just ignore that it is actually a time loop. Yeah, so he can actually change stuff. It's like mm. good to reiterate that he can. Like, yeah. make different decisions yeah mm-hmm. this is uh subaru choosing the 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 b path down the uh the visual <laughs> novel of uh the, the, the rosewall mansion and um which has some pretty consequential changes for the, the way he's mm. uh received and uh and the, the way his uh relationships with uh the rest of the cast uh, grows. I thought it was uh, it does, yeah. clever. Later on, Subaru sees Rem cleaning up the mess he left in the hedgerows and goes to apologize. She brushes him off quickly and walks away. He continues to explore the mansion and finds nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, so the, what the, his purpose for uh, choosing to, to be a guest rather than an employee is because he is using this loop to find out who the mysterious killer is from the previous loop. So he's yeah. like, uh, doing some some clue gathering and stuff um yeah he can't he can't reveal his purpose because that would make him look suspicious but uh just the, the acts of like uh of playing the the, the vigilante detective uh like uh um stocking the holes as a as as a guest is a you know, it, chain, it skews the way that you're viewed, whether you tell people or not. And it's yeah. a, a weird situation you find yourself in, Subaru. And I think at some point during this, he like runs into Rosewall as well while he's exploring. Uh, so that guy definitely mm. saw him being a little suspicious as well. That evening, Ram brings some tea to Subaru's room. He invites her to stay and drink, but she declines and leaves. Like Ram and Ram are noticeably much colder to him now that he's a house guest mm-hmm. rather they're much more polite and don't really want to like you know engage with him compared yeah to just those yeah. scenes you get to see like the massive difference it makes mm. being a guest or a other member of staff yeah that's uh if there's one thing we learned about um rem it's that uh she has a very strict like uh understanding of uh uh, hierarchies and like um, uh, there, there is a, a different kind of uh, a person that she presents herself as towards a guest and uh, as opposed to uh, a, a co-worker mm-hmm. 
which you don't even need like a, a strict understanding of hierarchies to, to feel that way. That's uh, that that would change uh, a person's perspective. For sure. Like if, if he's a guest, she's not going to boss him around or like be nasty to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like before when they were saying how gross he was. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that now. Yeah, but he just, uh, Subaru, he just wants, uh, he wants to have it both ways. He wants to be a guest, but he also wants, like, uh, that's, that's proximity to, uh, Rem and Ram, that closeness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a bit lost, uh, uh, as to how he can, how he can get that. And, uh, for all his, uh, worrying over that, um, he gets, uh, rewarded with uh, uh, something far darker. Yeah. <laughs> the next day, Subaru seeks out Beatrice to ask her about the possibility of a magic spell that could be responsible for his first death in the mansion. She tells him some magical exposition about shamans and such, uh, concluding that draining a person's mana could kill them more easily than a curse. Beatrice goes on to reveal that she was in fact the one that healed Sibaru when he was first brought to the mansion, but that she did not restore his lost blood. Instead of thanking her, Sibaru calls her a liar, so she blasts him out the window again and he lands on the same hedgerow at Amelia's feet once more. (laughs) (laughs) This is cool because you have the implication that Beatrice also did something to Sabara's manor, like in mm, the yeah. their interaction before his like reoccurring wake up moment. Yeah, she drained like, it, didn't she? It's uh, it strikes me as uh, funny how uh, Subaru like uh, continually denies like uh, uh, Betty's help in uh, in healing him. He has to like stick to this narrative that uh, it was Amelia that that, that healed him. Yeah, and, like, yeah. The way he reacts to that is very humorous as well. It's uh. Uh, just reminds me of uh, how how funny and charming Saru is, even when he's being annoying. He's um... he calls her a liar, doesn't he? Saying she's trying to take all the yeah. credit and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Back in his room once again, Subaru compiles his notes. He's especially interested in the keywords "curse" and "chains," obviously because he heard the sound of chains uh, when he was killed last. Uh, as he starts to articulate his plan, Ram enters with more tea. She calls him a freeloader but deigns to stay with him for a cup of tea. She asks how his studies are coming, and he tells her that he's already able to read fairy tales from a book. That's some quick language learning. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is it, like a couple of weeks, Max? Mm. It's like nine days or something like that. Mm. Smart boy. Seems a bit odd, but... <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe it's really similar to uh, Japanese. Uh, he mentions a fairy tale from his own world, the Red Ogre Who Cried. Ram is strangely intrigued, so he tells her the story. The story is about two ogres, a red ogre who wanted to be friends with villagers who were scared of him, and a blue ogre who wanted the red ogre to be happy. The blue ogre decides to wreck up the village and have the red ogre save it to win the favour of the villagers. However, the red ogre is then racked by guilt and finds that the blue ogre has left his home to give the red ogre the best chance in life. The red ogre cries and the story ends. It's a very uh, emotionally charged story. Obviously... Uh, red and blue, like Ram and Rem have red and blue hair. Uh, it's telling us something. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, I, I I love this scene, but uh, when you you sort of like break it down and in, in, into its components, it, it does sort of like uh, seem a bit obvious. Just feels a <laughs> bit uh, uh, maybe a little bit overwrought. Yeah. Um, what is it about but, it that um, you love to then? Yeah. 
given I'm that sorry? like critique what is it about it that makes you love it given that like critique of it you just mentioned of like <laughs> that, that it is uh, very obvious like uh, yeah, because it, it didn't feel obvious to me the first time I, I watched it. I, I didn't make the, the connection. Um, mm. uh, and I, I don't want to put it down to, to me being dense. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, thought it was just a very captivating moment. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I'm predisposed to pay attention when, um, you get a moment like this because it's, uh, you're telling a story within a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, automatically to me that says um this is where you have to pay attention Mm, this is where the storyteller um uh wants you this is where the storyteller uh gives you an idea of how they see the story themselves and um i think it does that really well and i love it when uh, characters get the opportunity to uh also be like uh, the critics of like this story and uh, in a way being a critic of the the show themselves and uh it reveals a little bit about uh the characters and uh, how we're supposed to uh, approach things and in that sense it gives us like so many different ways to approach these characters that we know very little about mm-hmm. uh but who uh, respond emotionally to this to this simple fairy tale. Yeah, and uh, Ram has quite strong feelings about it, or it seems mm-hmm. like she does. Yeah, uh, not only does she have strong feelings, but she sort of like infers how uh, Rem would feel about the story as mm-hmm. well. She like, does. Uh, yeah. yeah, she goes as far as to say, "Don't tell it to Rem." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, somehow this uh, this whole fairy tale is like a. Has like uh, a a surprising impact. It's um, uh, Subaru thinks he's just uh, telling a, a a children's story, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, Ram does not take it that way. Ram does not uh, uh, read it that way. No. Yeah, I think I struggled with this scene. I liked the intensity at which like Ram listens is like well animated that's like believable yeah and like mm-hmm. the way it's like um pacing of this little in scene like does a good job of selling like her investment in it but the like content of the story itself just felt like so on the nose of just like this red and blue ogre who else do we know that's red and blue in this world <laughs> like it's like felt like watching blues clues or something like that <laughs> When I was, like, I think it's because I'm already like a, a bit like um, disappointed in the like way it's written. I'm alert to it and I'm like feeling like critical of it. And then it comes in with something like this, and I'm just like, "Come on, like you could do so much better than this." Like, <laughs> it's like the sentiment of what they're trying to do. I think is great, but uh, like mm. you're saying, like you get to see the internal workings of these characters more. But it's just like. Mm. Did it have to be a red and blue ogre? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this is uh, a, a real uh, a folk tale, and um, oh, undoubtedly, uh, uh, yes, yes, it is. Uh, undoubtedly, like uh, a rem and ram and uh, their coloration is, it was chosen on purpose to like uh, mm. uh reflect this this folk tale as well uh but 
it leaves so many questions open. Um, like when you think about the the moral of like this this fable, for for example, like wh what is what is the story about? Mm -hmm. Is it about a red ogre who has to sacrifice his friendship in order to get what he wants? Uh, is it about um, how gaining acceptance with people requires like an elaborate performance, a deception, um, like? Uh, when you think about it that way, the story uh, reflects Subaru circumstances almost as much as it reflects um, Rams, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and if you want to look at it like um, about a, a story of like a, a person sacrificing themselves for uh, another's selfish desires, then how do Rem and Ram figure in this? Yeah. Like who's the who's the winner? Who's the loser? Who had to like give something up? Uh, yeah. and you, you know, can see that, uh, like what's what was it? Like on that specific angle of it, Ram's comment that they're both stupid, like is addressing mm. like just that kind of sentiment. It's just like yeah, yeah. yeah. there's no like so, correct answer. Like they both made mistakes. Like, ah, ah. So yeah, it, I I agree that it does appear to be uh, on the nose. Um, there is like a, a a lot of like a, a valuable insight to to be gleaned. Uh, for example, when uh, Ram uh, Subaru asked Ram how she would have like uh, uh, resolved the, um, the the situation between the red and blue ogre. And like, uh, and, and what I feel is like a, a, a really uh, clever moment of uh, of of character um, development. She like offers like this uh, this this wildly practical kind of answer that uh, uh, she doesn't see it as a fairy tale. She sees it as like a an an actual situation to be solved. You know, yeah. she she offers. Uh, she offers, oh, the red ogre should simply have broken off his horns and mm. uh, shown the villagers that he doesn't mean any harm. <laughs> and like, you know, it's it's a moment that um, uh, causes you to to uh, pause for a second and be, and be like, hey, uh, Ram, you realize this is just a fairy tale, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, but it's, it's not to her. It's sort of missing the point of, of the story a little bit as well, isn't it? Like what the story is trying to express <laughs> yeah. and illustrate couldn't have been expressed if that's what the ogre did. <laughs> and they, they have like a little bit of like a a, a podcast together in they a do, sense, yeah. uh, Subaru and Ram, yeah. Um, and where Ram kind of like evaluates the blue ogre sacrifice, and Subaru says like, "Oh, I, I agree. It is kind of dumb. I'm the type of person who wants to be rewarded." for my efforts is uh, what, what uh, Subaru says verbatim. So like, um, you know, not only not only does uh, Ram expose herself, uh, Subaru does as well. Subaru says that he thinks the story has a sweet side to it. I guess he doesn't necessarily see it as like completely tragic. He thinks there's something nice about what happens, I guess. Mm -hmm. Which I think is quite interesting. And uh, to to top it off, Ram does sort of like this uh, uh, unexpected like asshole move of like turning the story that Subaru told into like uh, this uh, this this challenge, basically um, asking him which would you rather be friends with, the red mm. ogre or the blue ogre, mm. and like um, which 
you know, us being the big brains um, podcasters that we are, we're like, uh, oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, shit. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Uh, Layers. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Yeah. We know what Ram is asking, Mm -hmm. sort of. Like, but does Subaru know? Do you think that Subaru knows what, what Ram is asking in this moment? Do you, would you rather be friends with the red ogre or the blue ogre? I don't think he I knows. Don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> think he knows either. I think that's <laughs> Even it's though the story is super on the nose, I don't think he quite sees it. I don't no. think he quite understands why it's having this effect on her. Uh, uh, but then... He does reach out to, to, to Ram and like uh, grabs both of her hands and he's like, I want to be friends with both. Mm-hmm. He locks yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. He locks out. <laughs> <laughs> to which Ram replies, that's a foolish answer um, mm-hmm. or uh, something, something, are you some sort of adulterer? Which... Yeah. Uh, again like twists the um the story and her interpretation uh once more and like uh makes ram's question even more awkward it was like mm-hmm. uh now uh, now subaru is being framed as a lecturer or something and he's just <laughs> yeah. telling a children's story like what's going on <laughs> yeah. um yeah I, I think that's like just a, a just such a, a successful sequence and like uh exploring these two uh characters um from who, who both like have these uh um radically different perspectives uh because subaru's perspective is altered by uh the the several loops that he's been through mm-hmm. and like uh, his uh his already being familiar with these uh these two characters mm-hmm. he, just, he wants he just wants to befriend them both yeah he wants to be, be friends with everyone they then mull over another tale from Lagunica about a dragon. Subari wants to discuss the story about a witch, but Ram refuses and gets up to leave. On her way out, she tells Subaru to not tell the ogre story to Rem, saying she would not like it. Is this the point where we get the actual backstory of the kingdom about this dragon, or did that happen earlier when they're at their dinner table? Well, in in this story, uh-huh. I think they they talk about like yeah. some dragon slaying that's responsible for uh, the the world as it is. Or so, I can't remember mm. the details of it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just the... I guess it's more following on, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very brief, but uh, basically, um, uh, Subaru mentions that the uh, the ruling family of this uh, kingdom made a pact with uh, with a dragon. And the family would uh, stay under the dragon's protection uh, from then on. Uh, but as as Rosewall uh, reveals in uh, the previous episodes, like um, that entire family line is almost completely wiped out. So uh, no one where knows is what this anymore? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where is this dragon? Where is his protection? So oh, and and shadowing. Rem- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ram also very clearly states, Oh, that's not a fairy tale. That's that's real shit. That's uh Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and she yeah, won't she... talk about the witch as well, which is Exactly, yeah. She mm. has a bit of a a reaction to him trying to talk about the witch. She's like, mm. oh, I don't want I don't want to talk about that shit. <laughs> yeah, story time's over. Yeah, yeah. She storms out. The next day, Subaru is being seen off by the mansion residents on a trip to the capital. 
telling him to be careful. Rosewell mentioned something about like putting a gift in his pack, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if we find out what the gift was. That's uh, money. He like uh, oh, it's money. I see. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. implies that uh, Rosewell gave him some hush money. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Subaru thanks them all for everything and he heads out. However, he is not really headed to the capital. He wanders through the forest and up the hills to find a safe vantage point from which to watch the mansion in case the attacker returns. Takes out a knife and he waits. It's a knife that, that he took from the kitchen, I believe, that he was using to peel potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice knife. He, um, <laughs> Subaru has a, a name for the knife, do you remember? That? No, what's that? He calls the knife a shooting star. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sivaru, such a square. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's like hanging out on top of the hilltop. He's sort of trying to stay awake. He's clearly a bit tired. Then, out of nowhere, a mace on a chain comes flying at him. He is flung from the hilltop, saved by a rope that he tied around himself. Uh, he cuts himself down and starts to run through the woods, confused that the attacker has followed him. He turns around to face them, knife at the ready, and you hear the same... Chains, I believe. The chain sound yeah. that he'd heard before when he was killed. Um, the mace on the chain flies at him again out of the woods, knocking him backwards, but this time he catches it in his jacket and it's embedded in some rock. Then, from the woods, carrying the other end of the chain, emerges Rem. Subaru is devastated. And that's mm, the end of the episode. Big reveal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Juicy. He was well upset. Yeah, you see his face just <laughs> drops. <laughs> Juicy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to think back to what I actually thought about this moment. It's like, I think it. I think it was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, it's a nice like twist. It's like okay, cool. Like it reinforces all the like sinister feelings you've been feeling towards them. It's like okay, here it mm. is. Like, it's the payoff. Yeah. Oh. But at the same time, like, I definitely felt like they were not very nice, the maids, like, not very nice to him, mm-hmm. and they were a bit cold, but I never thought that they would, either of them would actually try and kill him or hurt him. Mm. I really didn't think that one of the twins was responsible for his death in the previous loop, because uh, yeah. I suppose that's implied here, that she must yeah. have got him in the hallway, because mm-hmm. obviously it's the same chains and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. she fucking killed him in that previous time loop. I think and that's whack. one of the ones where they hung out loads. They actually did spend time together. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, oh, it was, was it, it was Ram. Was it... Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Ram, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Not Ram. Yeah. In the previous loop, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember this being a, a big moment. Um, you know, personally, like, if there's uh, one thing I uh, enjoy more than anime maids, it's uh, anime battle maids. Um, so this is this uh, ticks all the boxes uh, uh, for me, but uh, more than that, like uh, more than this sudden demonstration of a uh, uh, a rem's strength, it's like uh, the yeah the the emotional devastation that is like written all over Subaru's face that uh, hurts uh, even more than uh, whatever the, the the mace can do in in yeah. this moment at least <laughs> it gets yeah, pretty it, it, it gets a lot more it, painful it, later and the animation does a great job of showing you just how hurt he is yeah 
Like, it's yeah. not that he's scared necessarily or angry or anything. He's really hurt. Like, how could she do this to me? Uh, why? You know, that kind of thing. No, he doesn't say that in this at this moment, but he's, maybe he does. I can't remember. But yeah, mm. like, he's just hurt. I like the design of their um, chain as well. I feel yeah. like it's very, mm. uh, um, very anime of this chain or ball and chain where the, the ball part is almost the same size as Rem. Like... Mm, yeah. <laughs> the way she uses it, it just like flies straight, <laughs> like, like yeah, outrageous power. Yeah, yeah. So uh, before we move on to the next episode, I've got a, a say segment for us. Hell yeah, let's hear it. Let's talk about Rem for a second here. Um, she's got some interesting credits. Uh, she is voiced by Minase Inori. Uh, this is also the voice of uh, Makinohara Shoko in uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Uh, <laughs> this is the voice of uh, Hestia in Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Um, which uh, is, is not an isekai, actually, despite... Um, the, the title perhaps hinting at it. Yeah, it really sounds like one. So, yeah, we're we're spared from from that one, luckily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, she is a a returning voice actor, um, which I guess this this makes her the second one. Um, this is the voice of uh, Sophia Escart, and as such, also the voice of Achan in Hamifura. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Rem and Ram don't have the same voice actor. That's right. That's right. Wow, they're different. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a different character, different voice actor. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the 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 streams are converging. Uh, the mm. the isekais are colliding. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um. Basically, uh, she went from. Oh well, I, I suppose Hamafora came after Rezero. Says so she went from a stoic battle maid to BL obsessed Fujoshi in a um, <laughs> in, in another isekai, I guess. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's where the money's at. Follow the money. She's the one. Sophia is the one who loves reading, right? Yeah, yeah. She loves yeah. reading, and she loves Katarina. Yeah, as they will do. <laughs> Well, I have to say that episode seven, I think, was for me the best episode so far. Uh, I, I think comparatively, I really like, I liked this episode. I thought the pacing was great. We'll get, we'll get into it. Let's just, let's dive yeah. right in. Episode seven, Natsuki Subaru's restart. We begin where the previous episode left off with Rem telling Subaru that she is willing to grant him a painless death. She says that punishing those who seem suspicious is a principle of all maids. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't quite understand that line. Uh, uh, me neither, but it But rocks. I thought it was funny. <laughs> she says this what, like as she's about to kill him. She's like, punishing those who seem suspicious is a principle of all maids. <laughs> yeah. that all maids are doing this, you know. That's <laughs> something you learn at maid school. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's world building, baby. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> Subaru is deeply hurt that Rem didn't trust him. He tries to confuse her by flashing his phone camera in her face and running. However, she hits him with some kind of magic spell uh, that hacks his leg clean off. 
Uh, as Subaru screams in pain, he can see his leg lying on the ground in front of him. Rem actually comes and heals him with her mana, claiming that she wants some more information from him. I think she says something like, if you're going to be killed so easily, or something like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but she basically decides that his response to her coming at him with the magic spell that chops his leg off uh, indicates to her that uh, she can get some info. The episode where the chains kill him in the dark. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really see what was going on there. No. And while you get like, there's a few like gut cut moments and stuff in the previous fight, it feels like this is one of the like most gory like scenes we've had so far. It's like a real like shift in tone. You come from this nice friendly castle, but with slightly sinister vibes to yeah. He's being he's just bleeding everywhere <laughs> screaming yeah. loads like yeah yeah, yeah. no well the, the show has been hinting at a darker side definitely it's mm-hmm. like um had um it's been hinting at it but this is like the first time that it does like this sustained like uh horror um uh thing um and i i felt like it did like a really job really good job of like steering us towards that the color palette is sort of like sucked out of the the surrounding environments and the the depth that uh subaru has suddenly found himself uh ensconced in is 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 revealed but we'll get to that rem asks him if he is part of a faction opposing amelia he tells her that he loves her she whips him. Rem asks Subaru who he works for and if he's affiliated with the witch cult. Evidently, he is drenched in the stink of the witch. Witch stink. Yeah, witch stink. She says it's all over him. The fantastic moment, that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I think unlike lots of the other um, bits of world building that have happened in the show where it like tells you something about the um, future that you're you will find out at some point or you wait to be established. This gives you something that like recontextualizes loads of the past. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're like, ah, oh, this is cool. It's like not only do you get world building from it, but it changes all his interactions and like what they must mean to like Rem and Ram. Like yeah. what can he do yes. about thinking of the witch? It's like it's so obvious to them instantly. And yet yeah. he had no idea about it. Like it totally like well, for one thing, we must assume that ever since he got there to the mansion, he's been smelling like the witch. And this mm-hmm. whole time yeah. they've been smelling it on him and thinking away. But also, uh he must have been in contact with this witch somehow. Yeah. Uh to be drenched in her stink. Uh-huh. Uh you'd assume. Uh-huh. And that's quite uh-huh. cool. That's telling us a, a little bit about potentially what could be happening to him with this time loop like has this yeah. jealous witch done something to him maybe yeah <laughs> that's uh, uh all all excellent points uh, this is uh, uh, a a sequence that is um uh really keeps you on your toes and like uh generates uh, so many questions and uh, recontextualizes uh so many uh past events like um for example um in that one loop where um ram uh, Rem supposedly 
appear to be annoyed with uh, Subaru's haircut. Um, mm. Was it was it really his haircut that she was upset with, or or was it this this stank? Was he like walking from room to room, stanking out the place? Like mm. why wasn't yeah. anyone saying anything? Um, I think um, this this bits where um, Ram is you know practically torturing subaru like mm-hmm. uh the we finally dispense with the idea that this could be some sort of like a solipsistic uh isekai uh, fantasy about like a, a a boy who fulfills all of his uh his his dreams and wishes and um yeah it is uh show reveals itself to no longer be a, a fantasy a fairy tale or like a, a game or however you want to see it there are like hidden factions at play um mm-hmm. there are hidden intentions running through each of the characters through through ram and ram and there are hidden eyes looking in on every scene that uh, subaru thought was private you know like someone yeah. is aware as someone is is looking in on like what's going on and he just comes to realize this as he's like being beaten to death it's uh not only is it like uh a horrible uh but it also like breaks your heart it's uh subaru is just um dying uh several times over good shit rem starts to lose her shit screaming at Subaru about how angry he makes her and how she and her sister hate him. He starts to babble about how much he has learned from them and stuff like that, but obviously she doesn't remember all this stuff because she doesn't remember like when he was working uh, and mm-hmm. they were teaching him stuff. And uh, just as Subaru, now ugly crying, is about to tell Rem how much he loves her and her sister, she kills him. Yeah, this is uh, uh, Subaru like uh, descending to like uh, just the um, uh, utter depths of uh, loneliness of like uh, uh, despair before before being dispatched. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really sad. It's uh, uh, all of these uh, uh, loops have taken place. Uh, all of these uh, events that uh, have helped shape him throughout these. Uh, Oops, uh, uh, mean nothing to uh, this person uh, uh, across from him because uh, he now realizes that uh, he he knows nothing. He's uh, he can never mm-hmm. reach inside that person and truly know them. Um, yeah. And um, you know you don't need to be like a Groundhog's Day style time traveler um, for to, to to be familiar with that feeling. Uh, uh, at, at times, um, this is a, a kind of a existential uh, despair uh, mm-hmm. that uh, starts uh, illuminates in in no exits. So I'm gonna come back, <laughs> come back to no exit again. This is a uh, Subaru's personal hell right here. It is holy shit. Uh, I definitely think one one of the more cutting implications of this is uh, when she like tells him how much her and her sister hate him and it makes you wonder like in the first loop did they feel that way too like mm-hmm. or, and the second uh have they just always hated him behind his back because he smells like the witch and he annoys them and like all of the, the connections that he felt he had formed with them were fake because they just fucking hated him 
Yeah, he's just oh. irritating. He's there yeah. thinking it's being lovable and having banter that they just find him annoying and shit. And not just that, but he stinks <laughs> of the witch. Man. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. classic, isn't it? <laughs> Someone, oh, but I was being so charming and polite to everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, all that. It's, uh, it's uh, amplified by this uh, constant air of, of danger around him mm. as well that we now are aware of. Mm-hmm. I think one of the bits I didn't like about this is how intensely Subaru feels like. So I think his how he feels about his relationships with the other people. I think I can get a bit of the, the like the physical pain he's going through and a bit of the like mental pain of seeing the disconnect between like his own emotions to these people and their emotions to him. But the level of emotions that he feels towards them, it's like he's hardly spent any time with them. And I think while mm. the show kind of asks you to believe that that's just who he is as a character that he really quickly forms these like strong bonds and like falls for people like he's there being like i love you and it's like that's like such an intense (laughs) uh, level of like feeling to get with like essentially what are colleagues that you've worked with for like two weeks not quite nothing but mean to you yeah (laughs) (laughs) and tried to kill you yeah (laughs) and succeeded yeah no that's uh no absolutely i think that's um kind of a, a dissonance that you have to uh work through here is like a is mm. this uh a really love that a uh, subaru feels like uh <laughs> why does he respond so strongly is it just because he's being beaten to death and he's confused as hell or like uh <laughs> yeah or is it because like uh is this is uh uh, he thought that uh, this was some sort of fantasy that was going to be fulfilled for him, but mm. yeah, yeah, you do because like the way the um, the previous episode sets up of like him worrying about the the other people that he's in the mansion with, it's like it does feel like he genuinely does care about them, but it's yeah, still don't buy it. It's like. It's not just the pain, it's that he cares, but it's like, but why yeah. should he care? Like... <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, Sibaru wakes up, back in his bed in the Roswell mansion once again. Rem and Ram are there, watching him, as they usually are. He screams in horror. Yeah, I, I love this moment too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought this was cool. He just wakes up and starts screaming at them. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just a... Uh... S- such an effective uh, moment of like just uh, quiet terror waking up mm. to the to the sight of Rem uh, just uh, being innocent and like uh, uh, just standing there I feel it's uh, really effective but it, it isn't just Rem who appears distorted by Subaru's fear in, in this moment uh, but Rem as well you know, mm. um, I feel like he's just just shocked by the the, the realization of like uh, uh, who these people perhaps might be, how they feel mm-hmm. about him. So yeah, he's tormented by it. Amelia visits Subaru's room and asks what's up, but he is despondent and quiet, realizing that he can't try to change things on his own anymore. 
Subaru decides that it's time to tell Amelia that he's trapped in a time loop. And finally. <laughs> However, <laughs> just as he starts to explain, time seems to freeze. A black smoke engulfs the area and Subaru is overcome with dread, fear and pain. He comes to moments earlier, before he had attempted to reveal his secret. Now broken, Subaru tells Amelia to leave him the frick alone. Yeah. This is a really cool moment, I think. Uh, it's a revealing a new, I suppose, parameter of uh, the, his predicament that mm. it seems to imply that he can't tell anyone else that, that he's in a time loop. And he's never tried it's to before, rule. so this is the first time we're seeing it. But yeah, a new rule just dropped. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And like visually, it looks really similar to like how it looks when he dies and like... Mm crawls back and stuff it's like nice and consistent there mm-hmm. i thought it was great so what do y'all think is 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 happening here what how, how do you like interpret like uh what, what what's going on his inability to reveal um his powers what maybe he's under some kind of spell well i mean i guess they keep talking about curses right like mm-hmm. he gets that curse keyword written down in his notes in the previous episode so maybe if he's been cursed and that's like just a rule from the curse. Yeah. 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 It feels like, I guess, yeah, maybe we can go into it again, but it's bits that you learn. I can't remember if it's later in this episode or in the next episode that seem to be giving you a, um, a possible explanation. Uh, like, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the previous episode. I, I can't quite remember which one. Um, but yeah, it's connected to the witch. Yeah, so, if yeah, he's if got the hit... witch's stank on him. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, so th- that seems like a you know you can you can definitely draw that a, a, a parallel absolutely. But just mm. uh, looking at what is what is going on in this in this moment, whether it's like happening in mm. Subaru's head or whether it's like an ah. actual like um, spell that is like uh, cast on him, like there's this ghostly black claw reaches out and like grips mm. Subaru's heart. And mm-hmm. um, he's just wrecked with like this uh, this paralyzing, um, indescribable fear. It has like this uh, Lovecraftian vibe going on. Like, regardless of whether of, of of what is going on exactly, what I really appreciate uh, about this uh, this new contrivance, this new rule, is it, it kind of like also functions as like this uh this neat visual metaphor for like you know fill in the blanks anxiety depression trauma Mm -hmm. toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity you know like uh why hasn't subaru like mentioned before i need help i need you i need someone um you know um, could it be that he's traumatized from all of like these 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 deaths that he's he's gone through? Um, is is that what this uh, this black hand represents? Um, and uh, you know, in in this moment, uh, Subaru is just um, uh, he's he's depressed by his uh, his continued failure, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this is uh, something to do with a uh, uh, depression. It's uh uh, a, a a recognizable kind of uh, a feeling when you're um, across from someone that you uh, love and care about, 
and you mm-hmm. you want to express just the 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 depth of your your anguish and like uh, how how um, helpless and powerless you feel, uh, but you simply can't cross that threshold because of like whatever uh, demonic forces is holding you back. Um, yeah, I I thought that was a uh, very cool, a <laughs> very cool metaphor. I think. We definitely see even more of that in episode eight. Uh, like his behavior in that episode is really the behavior of, well, obviously we'll get to it, but somebody who is really struggling inside and doesn't know how to ask for help. Yeah, yeah. Moping alone in his room, Subaru is interrupted by Beatrice, who berates him again. She tells him that he looks gloomy and smells like the witch. Subaru asks Beatrice if she feels sorry for draining his mana before, which she isn't. But when threatened with being grassed up to Puck, she changes her tune. Uh, and this, like, even further... Im- doesn't, this, doesn't this, like, further imply that she remembers something from a previous loop? Like, the, is it, like, not in a previous loop that she drained his mana? I think, don't think it is. I think it's... Technically, it it's, like, some space of, like, hours or minutes before he wakes up and sees Ram and Ram. Yeah. It's, like, the, uh. that first time he wakes up in the bed... He goes back. He gets, he goes, gets oh. up, explores the mana, then gets knocked out with the mana drain. Right. Yes. And that's yeah. when You're absolutely starts. right. Yeah. yeah. It's weirdly confusing, yeah, yeah. I think, but it's. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. So that yeah, his loop doesn't start when he first wakes up in the mansion. It yeah. starts the second the time second, he wakes up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Um, so, in exchange for his forgiveness, Beatrice agrees to keep Subaru safe for the next few days by means of a contract. Yeah, he begs her to keep him safe until, like, uh, is it the fifth day? Mm-hmm. Which is when he expects mm-hmm. to be killed. I think it's, yeah, interesting that she reiterates the smell of the witch again. It's like, mm. you know, make sure you don't miss this, viewer. <laughs> like, this is important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a just a bit like um, just a bit silly, a little bit off-putting. Like has Subaru been like just just stanking up mm. like every room he's walked into like, <laughs> yeah, all this time? Yeah. Like, why hey, has no one mentioned it before? What do you think the witch smells like? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm. I've got a couple of um, uh, quiplash ready answers here, but I don't know if they're appropriate okay. for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that like the like format of the show has been doing a bit so far is like you have time where Subaru spends more time with the like different like women in the show, and it's like it felt to me at this stage it's like oh cool are we finally getting uh, like a Beatrice episode like yeah they have this like conversation and mm. she treats him really like earnestly like she can see the fear she's not quite as mean like yeah offers to protect him like just agrees to it like yeah and she's good about it mm. yeah there, there's also a bit of the, the the leverage element of like uh being uh being grassed up to puck but uh yeah. there is yeah <laughs> In the night, Subaru is plagued by nightmares, seemingly placated by his hands being held by some comforting presence. He gets this flash of imagery of two hands holding his hands. On the final day of the contract, 
Beatrice wakes Subaru up. They are in the library. Subaru spends the rest of the time reading books in the library with Beatrice until she tells him that she has been summoned. A few days have passed. This is supposed to be the day where he died, right? Uh, Isn't it supposed to be the day after? That's what I thought. Yeah, it could be the day after. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. It's like the longest he's ever been alive. Yeah, doesn't doesn't he say, like, I made it or something like that? Mm. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so he, he, like, is dragged to the library on the fourth day, and then they just stay up all night um, reading books, Mm -hmm. um, which is a nice little scene. It felt very comforting, like Mm. he was, like, sitting in an airport lounge or something, (laughs) waiting for his flight. Beatrice exits the library, telling Subaru to stay put. Of course, despite his fear of what awaits him, he opens the doors to find himself in the corridor, with the sunlight flowing through the windows showing him that he has made it to the fifth day. Uh, just a just a strong moment of, of palpable relief coming from mm. Subaru, mm. but like uh, there's something about the the quality of the the, the lights, the way this uh, scene is framed, like uh, just uh, the, the paleness. Um, this uh, something it's, it doesn't feel welcoming. It's just a uh, yeah. We're led to wonder what price he mm. has had unknowingly to pay for his safety. Yeah. Amelia greets him, and with a sombre look on her face, leads him along the corridor. She seems about to explain everything, but is interrupted by a painful scream coming from a nearby room. Yeah, now these these episodes rock in terms of pain screams. <laughs> yes, so many. Hilarious <laughs> characters. Sabara <just laughs> <laughs> yeah. looks inside to find that it's Ram, crying over a recently deceased Rem lying in a bed. Ram screams at him not to touch her as he's trying to comfort her, and she has tears streaming down her face. Roswell explains that Rem died of weakness, probably by means of a curse. The clown asks Subaru if he has any idea what might have happened. Uh, so they're obviously a little suspicious of him. Yeah, and I think that uh, Ram is suspicious of him, obviously. She knows he smells like the witch and whatnot, and she like won't let him touch her. She's obviously angry with him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And there's just uh, there's so much raw emotion in this, uh, in this moment. It's... Uh... Um, uh, it's really gripping. Um, mm. just the, the atmosphere in, in Rem's room is, is so crafted, uh, mm-hmm. like just, uh, the setting of her very Spartan room and how inconsolable her sister is. Mm-hmm. And everyone is just, uh, just staring daggers at Subaru being like, uh, say something, say anything. And, uh, he can't, he can't say shit. Mm-hmm. You know, is is it because of the black claw, mm. or is it because like uh, um, he's he's just so so lost uh, mm. that that he can't uh, express what he wants to express, or is this a uh, uh, just a, a greater? Um, is he just unable to take responsibility? Just uh, doesn't know how. Yeah, because I think he acts a little shifty, and he does sort of make it clear that he knows something Mm. but he just can't fucking say it Amelia is like begging him to tell them what he knows but he has these little flashbacks to the claw uh, or whatever that represents and he just can't doesn't even try I I really don't like that he didn't try yeah Yeah. like I think it's 
it's in terms of like the context of the whole show it's like it feels like it's it's part like i don't like this like i guess like yeah this depression that's come over like subaru like and i feel it's like a pacing thing again it's like he gets it's so spiky and he he doesn't even try and break it and like they've established that he's scared of pain and he has like gruesome pain and he doesn't want to go through it again but it's like it's so hard i find as a viewer to like to understand the consistency of that fear of pain of like when and where he's like willing to like break it and yeah like i know he's like completely shook here and he's had this weird like five days where he's just like been like carrying away and doesn't want to face anything yeah but yeah but then he'd like to not even like to not even try hit the pain again for like an explanation like yeah you mean like if it like from a storytelling perspective if he had just like tried here and failed that would have Uh like confirmed that he really can't do it exactly yeah and the like the intensity in this scene that it seems to be building up to he's like he's like super numb to it he's really removed from it in a way that like it's somewhat believable but it's not believable in the context of who they've established this character to be so far i don't think it's like they're like they're giving him much more human emotions here than he's displayed thus far in the like yeah. as we've like grown to know him mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, yeah I, it's, I hear that. it was frustrating for me it's like they've you've just set up this cool like black thing like have him play with it a little bit now and have him get even further into like a pit of despair because he he can't do anything he's completely helpless instead Mm. you're he doesn't even he doesn't try at all yeah it's like i really dislike that uh yeah i i can sort of uh um i kind of understand subaru's uh desperation in this in this moment uh just uh uh, how backed into a corner uh, Subaru is, uh, because just a moment ago he was um, so so happy to have made it to the fifth day, and he was like, mm. um, you know, uh, uh, trying to like get um, Amelia's attention and asking her out to to, to the village, mm. and like uh, yeah. you can just imagine him like picturing like all of the. The, the, the wonderful things that await him since he's made it to that day, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden his his hopes are just completely dashed when he sees um, Rem uh, dead uh, there mm-hmm. and, and like uh, realizes just what he's had to pay for like this uh, discontinued life, and mm-hmm. um, so very selfishly I feel like Subaru is constantly in this moment weighing up the pain of continuing to live versus the pain of having to die again and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's, that's a kind of uh, paralysis that uh, uh, it's, it's difficult to communicate uh, that's that's how I uh, sort of read that yeah it, it did feel like um, when I was watching this I felt uh, the only solution here is that like if if he doesn't want uh, Rem to stay dead, he has to die. Yeah, I think probably that's what he's thinking too. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what he's thinking too, and like that's why he's so paralyzed, right? It's like he knows that nothing good awaits him, and he's starting to get the sense that in this particular situation, there's nothing that he can really do. Like this, this loop is a failure, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though yeah. he lived. 
Yeah. And nothing really matters now. That hurts. That hurts. Ram attacks him with magic, which is deflected by Beatrice suddenly appearing, who is sticking by her contract to protect him. Everyone starts to turn on each other. Um, Beatrice even says to Roswell that, you know, Sibaru was in the library with me all night, so I don't think he could have done this. But Roswell's like, I don't, I don't fucking care. <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. He like, doesn't really care about her explanation. Uh, he yeah. just uh, doesn't like this guy. Wants him dealt with. Yeah. He, he was about to fire off some magics of his own. It's a shame we didn't get he to was, see that. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah I want to uh, see the clown a nice magic. moment, isn't it? Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. get to see them all like flex just a little bit and you're like, ooh, cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Despite everything, Amelia tells Ram that she trusts Subaru for some reason. However, he still won't tell them anything. I did think that was a little odd because in this mm. loop, like the only time she's met him is at the loot house uh, mm-hmm. where he has like, helped her. He told her to leave him the fuck alone at the start of this loop and she hasn't seen him for five days. And yeah. then she's just like, yeah, I trust him. <laughs> it's wacky, yeah. man. I, yeah, I think that's just, uh, it tells us a little bit about... Uh, 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 Amelia's just uh, uh, in nature. She's just uh, mm. it, she is so, yeah. just that caring. Uh, but she's also just that naive, maybe. Like yeah, uh, naive, definitely. Yeah, because in reality, uh, he does know something. Although he mm. doesn't know exactly what kills Rem, he knows stuff. Uh, and it's no secret in the like situation mm. that he knows something. Like yeah. I'm sure even Beatrice must think he knows something. Yeah. 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 Uh, Subaru's answer to all of this is to run the fuck away. He runs for his life away from the mansion with Ram screaming after him murderously like, I'm going to fucking kill you, you bitch. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what she sounds like. Uh, Uh, Yeah. She's furious. She's so fucking angry. And like... um, Mm. Yeah, I love it. Mm. Um, he runs through the woods and the hills and such until he arrives at the place where Rem had killed him before. And here he starts to wonder if he should just throw himself off the cliff and reset again. Uh, he's too scared, though. He can't be sure what will happen if he does such a thing. Uh, and he passes out. Um, yeah. So I, I guess his reasoning is like, you know, I know that I've come back to life in all these other loops but like maybe i won't this time i can't how can you be sure? like even yeah. even if he believes that he will like he just can't bring himself to do it like it's a hard yeah. thing to, to do yeah yeah there's a nice uh, for oh sorry go um yeah i i think there's like an e- even uh, deeper emotional anguish uh, running through uh subaru in this moment i think when he looks over the cliff uh he mm. might just be thinking do I want to reset? Do I want to restart? Or do I actually mm. want to jump down there and die? Like, uh, yeah, is, right. is perhaps that's a question that's running through his head, you know? Yeah, I think so, totally. Like, should, like, this is too fucking hard. I don't know what's happening to me. Maybe I should just end it, at least escape this horrible suffering <laughs> that I am going through on the daily. Yeah. I thought, as, like, a viewer of, like, trying to work out the rules of the like the world it was mm. a nice like i guess sequence from the moment that uh, um, he makes it to this morning uh, um, 
until I guess the question gets answered at some point in the future. It's like, when's he gonna reset now? Like, is it a new loop or will mm. it? Will yeah, he get to go back to the too. original loop? Like, yeah, yeah, like if he dies here, is he gonna wake up like with Rem still dead? It's like uh, when you when you save when you hit F5 in an unwinnable situation, and then yeah, it's yeah. the only save you've got. But is he going to oh, wake nightmares. up in Beatrice's um, library? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. like, oh, yeah. shit. Like... <laughs> Beatrice finds Subaru and tells him that their contract is still valid with no time limit, which is nice of her, I feel. She didn't have to do that, but she obviously has some kind of sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lectures him a little before telling him that she will help him escape this domain, is the, the expression she uses, escape this domain. So she gets something about what's going on. She knows that this isn't where he's supposed to be, or at least like this isn't where he's always been or always will be. I thought that was an interesting moment. Yeah, I haven't um, spotted I, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I read that a, a bit more literally as like, I'll, I'll get you to the border so you can like uh, escape to Mexico or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was. Obviously, it's translated, so I, I don't know what the actual word was that was said. But I thought the word domain yeah. was especially interesting because, mm. uh, mm. you know, in a magical fantasy, like the word domain often refers to like other planes of existence or like. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I read into it anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. And we know Beatrice is kind of like a magical being with mm-hmm. infinite knowledge, equal powers. So maybe, maybe. I've, she I guess knows I'm a like, lot. yeah, I'm pretty convinced that she knows something about what's happening to him. Or she can sense ah. that something is happening to him. With a renewed resolve, Subaru decides he will hurl himself off the cliff after all. But. At that moment, Ram shows up with magic swirling all around her. She's covered in swirling magic. Uh, it looks like uh, they're about to throw down uh, Ram and uh, Beatrice. Uh, Ram says something like, uh, you're not in the mansion now, let's see how you uh, do against me here. Mm-hmm. There's an like implication that uh, Beatrice's power is heavily diminished and that Ram could probably beat her at like this far away from the like mansion or the library or whatever it is mm. which is it? i thought that was a cool yeah. bit yeah it, it definitely makes you wonder like what is the relationship between the maids and beatrice what do they really mm. think of each other because obviously this is a tense situation uh, her sister has just died and she's furious but like uh if they were really good friends like would she talk be talking to her in this way Mm-hmm. Sounds like there might be some existing tension or uh, resentment, perhaps. Sibaru apologizes to the both of them for being a loser. <laughs> uh, he does this whole speech and he like tells them that he loves them and he then hurls himself off the cliff. Um, yeah. Um... This was one of those moments to me that felt like a little bit of like uh, that like unearned sentiment. That we talked uh-huh. about earlier, like yeah. I did, I really didn't get where his passion for these people was coming from. Mm. Yeah, 
I, I feel that it's it's a bit concealed in this moment as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I suppose this is where um, my uh, my repeats watching uh, is uh, was helpful uh, because I, mm-hmm. I do feel they could have like um, um, portrayed this a bit better uh, to like mm-hmm. give it a bit more impact. Um, but uh, basically. In this moment, before Ram arrives, Beatrice um, reveals to Subaru that um, throughout the night when he was like having nightmares and stuff, it wasn't her that was uh, holding his hands um, mm. because uh, Subaru thought it was Beatrice at first, but it was mm. uh, Ram and Ram who were holding uh, both of his hands. Mm. And um, I think this sort of triggers in um Subaru a kind of uh, renewed resolve um it like leads him to um uh, consider to 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 remember and to like uh, really etch into his heart that these these mates <laughs> Rem and Ram um they they don't they don't hate him <laughs> necessarily um mm-hmm. they're uh, deeply uh, caring people uh who would st- stay by his side throughout the night despite him having brushed off all of his visitors and uh hold his hands while he's like um in the froze of like a terrible uh nightmare and uh, i think that uh, subaru realizes then this is uh, a kind of love that uh, i can that i will fight for uh, that i'll be mm-hmm. i'd be willing to throw myself off of this cliff for and try it again i have to try because uh, i i want to save i want to salvage um the possible relationship that i could have with these people uh, whether that is a justified belief is another question uh but that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that's that's sort of how i saw that of like the the idea that they're holding hands so they must be like helping him is <laughs> I mean, heavily like questionable there. Like, <laughs> given, given what given he does what he actually knows. know from about yeah. them, yeah, yeah. And it's like given that there's this talk about like a curse thing, and curses have to. The bitch just talks about curses having to be really close to be applied, right? Yeah, that's yeah. She says that in the next uh, episode. Yeah, you need physical it, contact. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think like there's something probably a bit more sinister going on there or hmm. some other coincidence that maybe is tied with what's happening to like Subaru like rather than yeah. what's happening to them like um, yeah I think my my question would be if he smells like the witch that they hate why yeah. are they holding his hands doesn't make any right? sense does it like, yeah <laughs> what's that about is like that's why I, I you know i can see where you're coming from sam like is there something else going on were they being nice holding his hands or are they just like doing their maidly duty or like mm-hmm. is, he just is it a, is it a principle it? of all maids yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's another maidly principle that we're not familiar with just yet <laughs> yeah no um valid valid questions um um, I'm gonna um, log on as the, the Subaru defender again for for just a moment. Okay, this, is a, <laughs> um, this is uh, just a, a sentiment that is like flashed into his mind after all of this, um, you know, uh, uh, extended, uh, sustained trauma. Um, and mm-hmm. um, so Subaru has um, 
throughout these these loops he's seen both sides of the coin he's just like come back from a loop where uh a rem reveals no we hate you you stink die you stinky loser um <laughs> but he's also seen uh them being caring towards him and uh and uh he can see himself uh caring for them as well um, so this moment where um, he realizes it was Rem and Ram holding his hands, it, uh, it gains like um, is, a, 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 is elevated to like a, a, a mythic uh, significance uh, for for him in this moment. It's a it's a very muddled, a very confused kind of uh, a logic for someone who is like you know in the froze of of panic. Uh, but yeah, as as both of you point out, it's also very ambiguous as a as a signal. So um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> what? Um, great, great show, great anime. <laughs> that's that's what it does. I de- yeah, I definitely think this is the best episode yeah. I'd seen so far when I watched it. It was the first one that I felt like really got the pacing right for me. Uh, and all the stuff that happened really felt like it was driving the narrative forward in a good way and like mm. moving towards something uh, at a, a rate that I could get on board with. Hell yeah. So yeah I, I did like this episode a lot more than the others. Shall we do another say you segment? Sure. Let's do it. Yes. Um, let's talk about Emilia, uh, who is voiced mm. by uh, kind of an anime uh, newcomer, uh, Takahashi Rie. Um, she's um, kind of fresh to the industry. She's been uh, around for a couple of years, but she's uh, really captured the hearts of uh, Western fandom in particular. Um, Takahashi Rie is like uh, really beloved by anime fans in the West, thanks to uh, some key roles that she's landed in her career, um, mm-hmm. including Emilia was an enormous boost for her, definitely. Uh, she's also the voice of uh, Takagi in uh, Teasing Master Takagi-san and uh, Megumin in uh, Konosuburashi Sekai ni Shukufuku-o, um, also known as Konosuba which is a fantastic little comedy isekai uh, that I hope we we also get around to at some point. It's really (laughs) good. Episode 8. I cried, cried my lungs out, and stopped crying. Once again, Subaru awakens in his bed in Roswell's mansion, Ram and Ram chattering away. He holds their hands and confirms that it was their comforting presence he had felt in his dream. They tell him he should never have been born and call him a pervert. <laughs> yeah, somehow Subaru still continually confuses uh, being a creep, being friendly. Uh, like <laughs> Amelia enters the room to say hi, and Subaru knows that it's time to get started on its next loop. Yes, yeah, cool. Just that question is answered here of where does the loop reset? Like, yeah, it's twice through the episode, but it's instantly there, like Rem and Rem back alive straight away like mercifully <laughs> you, you would have mm-hmm. been so fucked if it was uh yeah if it were started in a library in this loop sibaro asks for a job again believing that it's the best way to earn the trust of the others and learn how to defeat the shaman responsible for uh, this curse that i think he believes was placed on uh rem 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 the dead one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
On a break from his chores, Subaru chats to Puck and gazes longingly at Emilia, who's like communing with sparkly lights or whatever, like she did in the first or second episode. Uh, he asks Puck for some m- more information about magic. Puck tells him about the differences between magic users and users of the spirit arts. Uh, if I remember correctly, magic users uh, have their own magic, and users of the spirit arts have to like draw it from the air around them, so that's what Amelia is, right? So, something like that. It's, it's just, you know, um, the uh, Puck... Uh, brings up the, the the element wheel again, <laughs> like uh, uh, oh, water. Water is stronger than fire, etc., etc. Have you played Pokemon? <laughs> like, um, we, we've only covered like four isekais so far, but like, if if you had to do an isekai drinking game, uh, probably include like take a shot whenever someone mentions a fucking element wheel. That's a nice promise of the time loop as well of like. This is like, yeah, finally we're gonna go see Subaru learning some magic. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope this would happen at some point. Puck does a little test on Subaru to figure out his magic type, the rare shadow type, a type that can enact debuffs on enemies, like slowing them down and messing with their sense- senses and things like that. This was quite fun, That just a little scene of this as someone that's well into these kind of like magic systems and plays games that have them uh, super is also excited about it it's like oh what one will i be and it's like you're the debuff one and he's like (laughs) 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 to demonstrate puck casts a binding spell on subaru uh i can't remember what it's called it's got a name you remember shemak it's it's a it's a blinding spell i think you mean and uh it's uh yeah uh uh, blinding, not, not binding. Oh. oh, I thought it was binding, yeah. my bad. Was it? Or, uh, or uh, am I wrong? It's, uh, but it's called Shemak, yeah. Shemak. Uh, which is disturbingly similar to Subaru's experience when he had tried to tell Amelia about his time loop. So the like mm. black smoke and uh, the pain and fear and stuff like that happened to him. And really mm-hmm. similar to his like deaf RM reset experience it felt like to me like mm. it, it felt like whatever is yeah they were all one and the same they're all the same like either school of magic or this like specific style of spell somehow like mm. i mean it's more likely mm. to be the school of magic but uh yeah so i'm gonna have to go back to to, to my subs on this one because i thought it was a, a blinding spell um, which caused uh, Subaru to temporarily go blind, and in his temporary blindness, he sort of like um, has a, a PTSD flashback of like those those moments. That's that's how I read it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's check which one it is then, because yeah, uh, or not the the reading, but the whether it is binding or blinding, like. Yeah, well, I'll I'll look it up and we can like uh, um, issue uh, corrections in the next episode if we <laughs> yeah. have to. <laughs> cool. Uh, Puck then gives Sibaru a quick magic lesson, which doesn't go too well. He still has a way to go. <laughs> he explodes. Sibaru <laughs> <laughs> wants to get back to work uh, against Amelia's advice, so she feeds him a boko fruit to stimulate his mana and revitalize him. Nice sensu beans in. Yeah. In fiction. <laughs> a little sense of in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to in real life. 
the fictional sensu bean. Um, it's a. Uh, uh, it, and not relevant to the episode at all, but I absolutely love the sound effect of when they crunch on a sensu bean in Dragon Ball Z. So, so good. Sounds delicious. So crunchy. <laughs> <Sounds> delicious. <laughs> are they just eating a raw bean, like an uncooked bean? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, yeah that's what it seems like. And they're, rather than just swallowing it, they crunch on it like a fucking maniac. Yeah. Do it. What do you mean, like a maniac? If you were going to eat a bean, you wouldn't just swallow it. If it was raw, I would. I'd eat it. It's sort of like a pill with water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's a bean. They, they make it sound delicious, though. It's yeah. very good. So in the next scene, Ram sits on the lordly clown's lap in a scene not dissimilar from what we saw in an earlier episode. He asks her what she thinks of Subaru. Ram says they should keep an eye on him, and Rosewall instructs her to keep an eye on her sister. Is it, am I right that it was Ram who sat on his lap previously? It was yes. Rem previously, or was it? No, I thought, no, I thought it they was... switched them. Was it Ram? Oh. It was Ram. Same. The I can red hair one. That. Mm. Yeah, so she obviously in this has a slightly different response when he asks her uh, compared mm-hmm. to before, uh, which is interesting. Something's already changed. Mm. But yeah, he asks her to keep an eye on, her, on, on Rem. Yeah, interestingly enough, I suppose Rem is the one that killed him, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Perhaps uh, uh, keep your uh, overzealous sister in check. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Subaru goes to Beatrice to find out more information about curses. She tells him that they can't be reversed once they've been activated. They end up talking about the Witch of Envy, Satella. Mm-hmm. There are many legends about Satella, one of which posits that she looks like a half-elf with silver hair, just like Amelia. Beatrice says that to use the witch's name, like Amelia did in the first episode, would make someone insane, or would mean that that person is insane. Yeah, like uh, um, only a uh, a insane person would like use the the, the name Satella for themselves, like a. Uh, yeah, she was basically confirming our suspicion from the first episode. Like, oh, probably she's using this name to scare Subaru off. I think yeah, it's funny the bit where like uh, Subaru like then also yeah justifies the reason and seems to have come to the conclusion in his own mind. It's like it's just he does so in a way that's just like cool. That's that question answered. Rather than mm-hmm. like I couldn't possibly know whether that's wrong or right. Like. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it confirms uh, uh, his worldview a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Beatrice also uh, offers the uh, salient detail that you need to be in physical contact with someone to yes. um, to, to curse them, mm. um, and and she also like brings up Subaru's smell again, which mm. is mm. you know <laughs> never reinforcing this uh, uh, smell of the of the witch thing. Do they? Is this the bit where they're talking about a bit of the history of the witch and that she's cursed to like never fall in love, or never be able to love someone? Or, like, oh, possibly. Um, possibly. She does talk yeah. about the the witch yeah. quite a bit here because that seemed quite important to me. Like it seems like. And yeah, no one knows the witch's curses. Like it felt to me almost as if there's a hint there that uh, um, Amelia may be the witch, or like maybe the time loop something about this. Like you can't fall in love 
bit or there's some connection to the witch there that she's unaware of but it's like that's how like the curse happens or something like that of like mm. it's something to do with this like connection of love between the two of, like yeah. yeah um damn i like uh to, to be honest when i uh I, the, the last time i saw this episode was a while ago i should have uh didn't didn't get enough time to uh rewatch it before before podcasting but yeah it just could be um where yeah where i don't they, remember either Mm. Yeah. yeah, it just felt like it was uh, really setting up for future exposition a lot. Yeah, yeah. The scene of like making sure you've got like a few key details there. Yeah, it's like it's all this stuff's right on your doorstep, and it's after we saw this red ogre blue ogre, it's like well, it's not on your doorstep for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the one thing I do remember that she said about the witch of envy is that she like killed there's like five or six witches and she killed all the other ones mm-hmm. uh, oh what that was, you know, i don't remember that remember. shit I, I gotta come back to this episode before i continue <laughs> i think yeah the next day subaru is super energetic and enthusiastic drawing a little concern for his well-being from amelia and puck puck says that subaru's mind is all mixed up um yeah he's like all over the place being funny, being on, flailing his arms, yeah. doing funny poses. Uh, he's clearly having some kind of breakdown. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he is. It's uh, it's uh, really upsetting as well, and it gets it gets mm. even more upsetting. But uh, yeah, uh, Puck is very much aware that uh, Subaru is, is putting on a, a, a front, uh, a positive and energetic front right now, and uh, inside he is uh, he's kind of a mess. It's uh, in this moment as well that he kind of jokes to Amelia, uh, Subaru does, that uh, when like he's not tired, but when he is, he'll come and rest his head on her lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in the course of his chores, Subaru breaks a vase. Rem tells him that she will fetch a replacement, but he offers to go instead. She's deeply suspicious that he knows where the replacement vases are kept. I think he says detail, that, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He says something like, oh, your sister told me, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she buys it. It's a good moment, sir. Uh, Subaru, in his enthusiasm to, to please the people around him, he sort of forgets that uh, yeah. he's, he's uh, been doing this time loop thing before and, like, uh, kind of slips through the cracks here and... Uh, and Rem yeah. is just ready to pounce, so it's like a, it's a little bit scary as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very scary. As he continues his chores, full of energy and excitement, Subaru's mental state declines. He feels worse and worse with time, culminating in him puking in the sink in the bathroom. He's like uh-huh. being energetic and joking and striking silly poses. Meanwhile, the whole time in his head, he's thinking, uh, I feel sick, I feel sick. Kimachiwaru... This was so affecting. This was very affecting. Mm. Uh, I feel like I've I've also had a couple of uh, kimochiwarui kind of kind of weeks lately. Mm. So I'm just watching uh, Subaru just like uh, work himself absolutely raw uh, as he just uh, becomes more and more sick. It's uh, really sad. Yeah, like he believes that he has. To be acting this way because the only way to work things out positively is to have everyone that lives here trust him yeah. and like him 
and this is his version of what a likable trustworthy person should be yeah um, yeah but he actually he's actually causing people to be concerned about him Mm-hmm. rather than it's like kind of having a different effect than he would intend he just like doesn't really understand he tries to sneak off but Amelia is lurking outside and asks him to go with her into a bedroom she tells him to sit on the floor with her and she rests his head in her lap just this once Sivara is confused but Amelia tells him to drop the tough guy act and relax <coughs> overwhelmed and exhausted Sivara begins to weep he tells her of his pain, fear, and sadness, and how hard he tried to make everything right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's crying like a baby, like Bambi. It's, uh, it's um, I, uh, this is this is such a beautiful moment. It's uh, it's it's mad corny, but like um, when I watched it the first time around, I kind of cried myself. I'm not Did gonna you? lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, when I when I knew this scene was coming up, I was like, you know, uh, it's not gonna get me this time. Uh, <laughs> I, I I know it's coming, uh, but um, it's it fucking it it hit me like the exact same way. It's um, it, it, embarrassing to confess, but uh, uh, and it's it's framed in such a corny way as well. Like, uh, like, uh, Subaru, like, uh, relaxed for a moment, realizes his head is in Amelia's lap. And then suddenly, like, um, we see like, uh, this image of a, uh, a naked Subaru framed against like time lapse of the universe as if like, uh, mm-hmm. um, his, his, his inner self is like, uh, uh, finally at peace or, or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's um just this really corny like um uh dude's rock kind of a oh I can finally let down my guards uh, around this person and, and mm-hmm. um but it's in his tears and in his like his jumbled like confession uh that's uh that 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 really reaches me because like Emilia must be sitting there like uh, I don't understand what you're saying I just mm, okay. understand that you're in pain mm. and this is this is something I can do to comfort you. Uh, while Subaru is like uh, bawling, and um, uh, w- what's stuck with me is how he describes uh, how Rem, uh, how Ram yelled at him in the previous life and mm-hmm. or in the previous mm-hmm. loop, and he's like, "I never want to be uh, yelled at like that again." Yeah. We, we get a, a peek into like just how much hurts. Subaru has been free, not just physically but like uh, e- emotionally mm-hmm. and um, yeah that's that vulnerability it invites you to be vulnerable as well and I I took that invitation yeah I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, uh, I have to admit the main thing that came to my mind when I was watching this scene <laughs> is that the guy that plays Subaru yeah. <laughs> also plays Sukasa in High School Prodigies, and he also rests his head on a fair elf maiden's lap in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, is it in this guy's contract that he has to play these characters? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's, hard, is... it's hard not to feel for him in this moment, I have to admit. Mm. 
it's yeah i think it didn't land for me in terms of like there there is something about it that like it's hard not to to recognize that style of situation in your own life and recognize mm. that emotion like the again they're like the way it's presented and the like emotion that like you can tell he's feeling is like it's really human and it's like cool yeah i know what that's like and like that is like emotional but in the like the like the flow of the story it's telling us so hard it's like i still just don't buy it it's just <laughs> it's it's such a weird like spiky roller coaster that's like it makes me think of like our, um like in Naruto when it gets you with like a real poignant moment mm. of like thinking of Inari on the like um the like battle on the bridge kind of Zabuza oh, God, arc. Yeah. When you hear of, the story of his dad, like Yeah, you really dad, yeah. get to understand the pain from that character's actual perspective and it takes the time to like to show you it and to show the the progression of it like and it, it's not like it takes the time in a takes ages to do it it's quite a short thing but in this show it feels like all of that like legwork or lots of the legwork just isn't there like it's yeah, like you, you just take, have to take it at face value yeah this is how he feels <laughs> mm. and it, it's like that really dilutes the impact of them for me it's like because i'm i'm not there with the character i'm not like feeling for him because there's nothing for me to feel yet it feels like it's like other than i could see the situation i'm like oh cool yeah that's the shit situation yeah. like <laughs> you've not you've not led me to this and i'm not like with you like it's true it's true i, I, the... I think what's what's like hard about it for me is that his like what i would imagine to be his pain and his struggle doesn't like quite match with what he's saying. Uh, let's see if I can explain that. Um, he's been killed over and over again in like violent ways by people that he trusted sometimes. Uh, and that's enough to make somebody ugly cry like that. Mm. Uh, but when he's talking and trying to, trying to explain, obviously he's a mess and he can't really explain. What he's saying is he's like trying, he's like tried really hard to make things right. Um, and that makes it seem like he's crying because he can't be friends with Rem and Ram or he's like not able to like build the bonds with him, them that he wants. Mm. And it, just, it feels like, is that the thing that he's like ugly crying over or is it the mm. other thing? Like I can't really yeah. reconcile that well mm. in my head. Does that make sense? I yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I, it's like I, I, I tried so hard and and got so far. <laughs> but but then, yeah, <laughs> it, that's literally it. But in the show, he hasn't tried so hard at all. He's just singing this song. Like, <laughs> uh... <laughs> he's like projected um, this whole view of himself onto. In one of the loops, he like hid in the library for five days. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like hid in his bed for five days. I, I get that. Another thing that is like uh, constantly rubbing up against like uh, these these attempts at like uh, emotional catharsis is mm. um, the fact that uh, again this is another loop. Uh, so this mm -hmm. is only like 
two days removed from uh, Subaru's meeting with Amelia in the loot house. So, uh-huh. like, why is she, like, extending this kind of intimacy to her, to, to yeah, him? Uh, like, I wanted to <laughs> And we just, yeah, and so we also just have to accept at face value. Um, oh, yeah. well, Amelia is just that nice, and uh, mm-hmm. Subaru yeah. is just that, just that in pain. Um, I, I, guess, I, I get where, where both of y'all are coming from. Uh, but for for me, um, I, um, uh, I I I am also constantly hurting, and I am also in need of a Hisamakura uh, hit me up <laughs> yeah. on, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, anyone's trying to be uh, my Amelia Tan. <laughs> <laughs> I think the show is asking us to accept at face value that Amelia's just this nice mm. or whatever. But mm. I think it's, it, sometimes it comes across a little bit like uh, Subaru's had all these time loops, so he's spent a lot of time with these characters, but they haven't spent much time with him at all. However, yeah. I feel like Amelia gets nicer and nicer with each loop. It's almost like they can't commit to resetting her her relationship with Subaru every loop. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like a little bit. But yeah. you know, perhaps it's it's not that they are just saying she's really really fucking nice and wants to share this intimate moment uh, with this cry baby, <laughs> <laughs> crying baby, <laughs> polarizing moment. Yeah, yeah. Subaru sobs until he falls asleep. Rem comes looking for Subaru and finds him asleep on Amelia's lap. Rem and Amelia agree that Subaru is done with work for the day. Amelia tells Rem that Subaru is a good boy, actually. (laughs) 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 She says he's a good person to uh, Rem, which is important because uh, maybe Rem won't kill him if she thinks he's a good person. Mm. And Amelia has said that. Amelia trusts him and whatnot. Um, Later that night, Subaru whines to Beatrice in the library about his embarrassment for like having to cry so much in front of Amelia. Beatrice reaffirms that curses can be detected before they are activated. She explains that an important rule for curses is that the cursor must make physical contact with the cursee. <laughs> oh, here's where she does that. I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so from this information, Subaru is able to conclude that he must have been cursed in the village because... He doesn't, I guess he doesn't think that it was like someone here that put the curse on him uh, that killed him in the first the first couple of loops. Um, the only other people mm. he's been in contact with are at the village. So that is a nice clue. A nice, powerful clue. Yeah. Uh, juicy. Very juicy. And uh, the next day, Subaru asks Rem and Ram if they can go and do grocery shopping in the village, and they agree to go with him. Mm. And that's the end of that chapter. I, I just want to uh, double back for for a second here um, sure. to have another uh, peek at Subaru and Amelia's uh, romance arc. Um, uh. Earlier, when Amelia uh, gave Subaru the senzu bean, um, mm-hmm. Subaru like uh, apologizes, and um, mm, right. Amelia makes a point. Um, saying like uh, I I don't need you to apologize. Uh, if you like, you could thank me. That that would be a, a lot more uh, appreciated. Which is um, 
It's a, a, a surprising um, a is this lesson that a Subaru uh, was in need of, of learning for this episode. And mm, uh, by the end of the, that episode, he, he, he learns, um, you know, rather than um, saying, I'm, I'm so sorry for, for uh, leaning on you, for um, taking up your time, for letting me uh, uh, rest on your lap. He, instead, he thanks her, and um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought that was sweet. Mm, I thought yeah. it was nice. Yeah, a good <laughs> moral, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's all. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it has potentially may have parallels to the story overall. Like Subaru is, I, I think, when you apologize to someone, you are expressing that you're shouldering a burden, mm. and uh, mm. you're trying to get it oh, get it off you. Uh, and that's kind of what he's doing, right? Like with every loop, he's shouldering this burden of like going through all this stuff alone. Yeah, um, and especially this episode and the previous one is yeah. is like them really hammering down. Like, look at this big weight he's dealing with. Right. Yeah, he they go go hard on the loneliness and the isolation that he's feeling mm. from the, from this experience. It's getting worse. Uh, so perhaps if he can learn to, rather than like try and carry this rather than like carrying this burden perhaps he can learn to uh lean on others uh and take the kindness of others mm, perhaps mm. i don't know hell yeah maybe he will le- wait in this next episode if he learns more about the cursings yeah maybe that's another thing it's uh we finally got a leads mm-hmm. like a, a possible way out of this so yeah i'm excited about the, the next couple of episodes yeah, I wanna, let's get let's get solving this mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So, shall we do some closing thoughts? Let's. I'm happy to start with closing thoughts. Um, okay. I'm com- coming in, <laughs> coming in hot. Coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was interesting. I think talking through these three episodes is like. Before we like started, and I was reminded as to like what actually like happens in these episodes. If someone had have asked me if much happens in episodes like six through nine, I'd have said like nothing. It was like big old like snooze fest. <laughs> like that's what it felt like. But I think it's I think it's this last episode, episode nine, is the one. Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Sorry. Um, and even that, it's like the magic bit at the start. There's lots of like nugs there, and. There's good like our, um, bits about like the curse in terms of like progressing the story. I think it, there was just something, something weird again about the pacing. It's like differently this time because loads happens in these like few episodes, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, it's still not quite gripping me. Like, um, though I am interested to see how the story like. Yeah, I want to know what happens basically. Like, but mm. yeah, but I I don't really care about any of the characters. Like, what? But still? You, you still, yeah. Like, wow. even there, there are cool moments and stuff. But it's like, but none of yeah. them. Like, I'm not like team anyone. I don't think. Like, oh. But yeah, I, I want to know what happens for sure. Like, <laughs> I think I I definitely like I said earlier, became a bit more indeed towards Beatrice. I'm starting to think she's quite interesting. But I'm still not feeling any love for, like, Ram and Ram or even Amelia. I think Puck's cool. Puck's pretty mm. funny uh, <laughs> and fun. 
Um, but yeah, like I'm sort of the same page as Sam. There's not any characters other than those two where I'm really like, yeah, rooting for them. Mm, uh, yeah. I also like. I don't know much about this show. I don't know if like this is the main character set for the whole show or not. Um, but mm. I kind of feel almost like you know, in the first few episodes, we had a different character set. You know, we had the loot house and stuff kind of like ready to move on to the next character set now if there is one. It feel the story feels very in, like in, enclosed in this place, um, which I suppose makes sense because that's almost like well, you know, Subaru is isolated and in a small <coughs> existence at the moment uh, that mm. you can't break out of. But yeah, I'd like it to spread a little bit further outside of the walls of the mansion and I wanna see some more of this world and uh find out what else is out there. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it does come to, like, we do conclude this, like, mansion bit quite quickly now. Like, Mm. like, seems to be how they have done it in the past. It's like you get a little bit of exploration, but then it's like, bang, and here's a payoff. Like, yeah, it feels like we're moving closer to some payoff. Mm. If if that if that's the the way of thinking about this show, (laughs) 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 Which which it sort of is for me at the moment. Like I said, I did think that episode seven was the best episode so far. Uh, and yeah, I, I felt like it's it slowed down a lot again in episode eight. Mm. Um, but like said, Sam, Sam said, there was some nugs in there. Um, and I some hope we nugs. get to see this year, mm. some tasty nugs. I hope we get to see Subaru learning a bit more about magic and if he can use that. Um, and yeah, well, yeah, like I said, ready to solve this mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Well, my my closing thoughts are, are a little bit jumbled. I'm I'm seeing now. Um, <laughs> uh, like I just come off of a couple of hell weeks, so like I was bad at organizing my thoughts. Um, Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll just try to wing it. Though I I wonder whether I'm team team anyone as as well at at this point. Um, that's a that's a interesting. Uh, a way of like looking at the cast. I think right now I'm I'm team story, um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, from from what we've been offered so far, uh, mm. out of this anime, um, I feel like we are um, getting just this 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 um, really rich spread of uh, story. I I am always careful about using the world the words. Uh, deconstructivist deconstructed when when describing uh anime uh-huh. uh because it, it just it gets used uh incorrectly in a uh, uh on many occasions but i i feel like it's uh, appropriate uh here if only in the literal sense like uh, these characters are being uh deconstructed uh subaru is uh being uh broken down to um his like uh, his elemental particles mm-hmm. we're getting to see more and more of like what makes him tick and like uh what his his value sets uh look like it's just um betrayed in in each and every episode um he's unique as uh, a protagonist uh, as a hero he, he doesn't have like a a clear and burning motivation it just uh, seems to uh, stumble from from one desire to the next 
and um, uh, in, in some some ways that's uh, uh, recognizable, mm-hmm. and that that, that makes him um, um, he's fallible and he's he's weak, and uh, he, he bites off more than he can chew, and that, that makes him uh, likable in, in in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, oh shit! I guess I guess I'm saying I'm Team Subaru. <laughs> 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 Uh, but like in many ways, he's also very unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yes, as, as I said, uh, deconstruct. Uh, this is an isekai being uh, deconstructed. Uh, the, the notion that this might be some sort of uh, wish fulfillment fantasy is uh, is violently uh, abandoned yeah. in like episode uh, seven. Uh, we're sort of like uh, punished for for thinking that that could uh, be the way it is in a very like uh, emotionally uh, manipulative mm-hmm. kind of way. Um, we uh, we've gotten hints at like this darker edge, like um, hiding around the uh, the peripheries of this anime, and like uh, this is the first time we've gotten to see like um, this sustained horror, this sustained sadness, this sustained anguish, and um, I think it executes that in a in an emotionally affecting way. Uh, even if it is uh, manipulative in mm-hmm. places, I, I think I've uh, shown myself to be uh, uh, open to, to manipulation. <laughs> I'm willing to be manipulated. In in this instance, that might not be the case in mm-hmm. in the future or future yeah. animes. You know, yeah. So it's it's got this um, array of tricks up its sleeve. Um, it's like uh, showing you. Uh, a lot of what it can do, it, like uh, it's still able to change things up on the fly. I'm still enjoying it a great deal, and I, I guess I echo the sentiment that um, you know the, the dimension is. We've had a long yeah. time at dimension now. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, to to see the rest of the gang uh, mm-hmm. as well, but um, <laughs> but then again. <laughs> uh, we've had so many great moments um, of like um. Uh, setting up these characters, getting to understand Rim and Ram, and like uh, what motivates them. The the story mm-hmm. about the ogres, as as goofy as it is, and um, it, is the show able to pay off on that? I think whether whether or not it can within the next couple of episodes is going to, uh, I think, clinch how we feel about the yeah. the rest of the series. Um, Potentially, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to get a little bit curious about what happened to that girl that was arrested in the, in the loot house. Mm. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, what was that knight's name? Uh, uh, Reinhardt. Gilhard. Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's he up to? Uh, why did he take that woman in for questioning? Yeah, I feel like I want answers to those questions as well. Starting yeah, yeah. to think about that a little more. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it's a twenty-five episode anime. After all, it's got it's got room to play, uh, room to breathe. You know, that's interesting. Of the the episode count is one that I wasn't sure of, and I always like to pay attention to that for yeah. I guess judging where you are in terms of the like narrative arc that it's going to tell you. Like, mm, yeah. So yeah, if there's twenty-five episodes, there's a long way to go yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you wanted to look at like, uh, if you wanted to organize uh, twenty-five episodes set into like, I don't know, a, a free act structure, um, for example, then uh, we're still 
uh, we're coming to the end of Act One now. Uh, uh, of course, of course, yeah. you can't like map that one hundred percent, but it's it's an indication. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it's uh, obviously it's it's interesting to discuss the show from the perspectives of like I think we we've all got different ideas about it and uh, different feelings about it. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun t- to discuss. I think. Hell yeah, and the feelings run high. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. That's our closing thoughts. Uh, you've got some plugs, Lawrence? As always, uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter. Um, I post some screenshots uh, about uh, the episodes that we discuss, so you can like uh, have a fil- visual aid as we uh, discuss them. Um, the Twitter handle is at reincarnatedpod. Um, should you uh, care to share uh, your feelings uh, in, in a more elaborate manner, you can email us. Uh, our email is reincarnated.podcasters uh, at gmail.com. And uh, I'm going to sneak in another plug for a Substack uh, where I've been writing about um, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin and. Um, how I imagine she might write a Gundam series. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, that's, that's just the kind of nerd I am, I guess. Um, uh, dldrscrolls.substack.com. Uh, that's dldrscrolls.substack.com. Next time on Reincarnated as Podcasters, we will discuss episodes 9 to 11 of ReZero. We hope you enjoyed listening. See you in the next life. See ya. Goodbye. Kyoku